Welcome to the Millerville Community Church podcast of our Sunday morning sermon series, where the Word of God is always the focus of our hearts and prayers. Although we are often considered a cowboy church, we're actually a community of diverse people from many different backgrounds who have a common commitment to our Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God. And now, here is a message from Sunday morning at MCC. Does anybody remember the first time I was here and I preached my first sermon? Does anybody remember? Some of you remember that. And I titled that sermon to scare you so you wouldn't vote for me. (laughs) I don't know if you remember that. And it was entitled, uh, began this series, which we're just beginning to wrap up now. It was entitled Total War. You can go back and read it and hear it. And in that message, you will hear me say, uh, the, the war is coming. And I said, they're coming for you, for your children, and for your grandchildren. And you've got to start fighting. And it's true, right? I told you it was coming. But fortunately, we started bracing ourselves, getting our war rooms together, getting ready for this fight. And it is here. So we've got to get together and start fighting. I thank you for those warriors who are already engaged in fighting. You're doing a great job. Keep it up. A lot of people are discovering they're going to have to take care of things in their own life, too. It isn't that it's getting any darker than it used to be. You're just more aware of it. Right? Yes. It's like uh, you might be horrified if you went underneath your house and saw what was hiding there or something like that. It's always been there. You might be horrified to see what's crawling around on the walls of your house, but it's always been there. It's just now you're knowing it and you're seeing it. And that comes with spiritual insight as you begin to talk with the Lord. He begins to show you that. But I don't want you to be scared. I don't want you to be afraid. Our Lord is still King of kings and Lord of lords. He's almighty and able to handle all things. It is just great that he is calling us to arms and to get ready for this engagement that we're in. And we are not alone. There are other believers looking to be a part of this and to grow with us and take the fight to the enemy. You are my dear friends. You are my brothers and sisters. I can hardly believe that the short time we've been together, um, it's just been going so fast and so intense. Uh, I've been in a lot of your homes already. I have given Tim Hortons a stock boost because of all the coffee and donuts I've been eating. And uh, just having wonderful conversations, we're addressing so many things, and you're growing, you're you're wonderful, and God is blessing this congregation in so many ways, and I'm just thrilled. Uh, This is the Advent season, and I want to say to you, Merry Christmas. Would you say that back to me? Christmas is a great season because in Advent, we remember the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, not just as a baby. You might not know this, but historically, the season of Advent is also primarily celebrating the second coming of Jesus Christ. Israel looked forward to the coming of the Messiah to deliver them from darkness. A bright light has shone in a dark land, and that's what Christ did. But we look forward to, just like Israel did, to the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is going to be a glorious day when he shows up and is in our midst. Today I want to tell you about that glory. 
that you're going to be sharing. It's important for us to know what we're striving for, what this is all about. Because the great mistake you never want to make as a warrior for the Lord is to think it's all about the war. It isn't about that. It's about the victory. You don't go out to pick a fight to be in a fight just because you like to be in a fight. Well, some of us are like that. But really, the focus of being a warrior is to be out of a job, to end the battle to win the victory, not to always be in a conflict. Our goal is to win, not just to fight. We want to win. And I want to tell you about the glory that is coming and that you are sharing in and how you can be a part of it. What we need is a vision of what that is like. And Paul describes it as a finish line. Have you ever seen a marathon race? where the runners strip down, they wear as light as clothes as they can, they're running for a long distance, they're not sprinters, they're not running full out right out of the gate, they're pacing themselves and they're ready for the long run. They're usually really skinny, but uh, no fat, but all muscle. You, they don't look like they could lift much weight, but they can just go and go and go and they just don't quit. And uh, I've, I've seen those big ones where people uh, get cramping in the legs, they fall out of the race, they just, that to win was to finish. It wasn't to be necessarily the first. If you could just outlast the other guys, you would win. We are in a marathon race. This isn't about temporary wins and battles. It isn't about short sprints. We're in a marathon race. We've been in it for thousands of years as a church. And the goal here is to finish and to finish well. That's the goal. So perseverance and endurance is really important. And in order to do that, you have to remember what you're striving for. It isn't about comparing yourselves to others. There are psychological games you play in marathon races. Well, is my form right? Am I running as good as he? He's way out ahead of me. I've got to put it on. No, it's about learning your pace and learning what your body will let you do and how you can push it without breaking your body to get to that finish line. But have you ever seen the finish line scene where they're barely getting across the line? When they cross the line, they collapse. Have you ever seen that? And there's usually someone there to catch them right at the end because they've got nothing absolutely left when they get across the line. I want to talk about that moment because this is where we're going to pick it up in our scriptures. This vision of what it is to cross the finish line. I heard someone express some concern about uh, using slides like this that you guys wouldn't bring your Bibles to church anymore. You got any Bibles here? If you got a Bible, raise it up. Oh, fantastic. They got Bibles. All right, now, and phones. Now open it up and go to 2 Timothy. It's on the screen there, but I want you to open up. And the reason I want you to do that is you should bring a pencil or pen or something so you can mark up your Bibles because these verses are going to be important to you now and in the future and you will want to uh, make a note, right? So this one is found in 2 Timothy 4 through 7 through 8. 
I was in a, interning in a church in Ohio. It was a couple of thousand people, and uh, the preacher would get up to the scripture, and then everyone would pull out their Bibles, and you could hear the pages turning, and it sounded like angel wings all the way through the congregation as people were looking up the verse. Here we are, 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're starting at verse 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, Paul says. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. And that last section, that's what makes this an Advent verse, for those who have longed for his appearing. Do any of you long for Jesus to show up and declare victory, it's over, the battle is done? I am so looking forward to that day. Soldiers go to war for many reasons, but the ones that last and survive need to endure all kinds of conflict. They need to endure risk, even death itself because they have a purpose greater than themselves. They carry into war pictures in their pockets of their families, of loved ones, because that's what they're going to war for, for their safety, for their protection. They will whisper a prayer in very dangerous moments and uh, dark places. And for us, that purpose in fighting the good fight is to know Jesus Christ, it is to embrace him at the finish line. There's a passage that uh, we find of what it is, several passages that describe the finish line when you arrive as a Christian and what it's going to be like. And I want to describe this because this is your glorious moment. This is what is coming for you. The first prize that you get when across that finish line, the reason you're running this race is to have eternal life, with Jesus Christ, and to know him personally in your life. Philippians chapter 3. Now you've got to flip your Bibles again. and It's a whole other section. If you don't know where Philippians is, look in the index in the front of your Bible. It tells you. I used to tell people what page that is, but apparently it's not all the same in your Bible. So Philippians chapter 3, 7 through 14. This is one of my absolute favorite passages in the Bible. I have gone to this one so many times, so I hope it becomes yours. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, but whatever things were gained to me, these things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of what? Of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered and lost all things and count them rubbish so that I what? That I may gain Christ. Boy, I tell you, if you want endurance, that's the attitude you need. Verse 9, and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God, on the basis of faith, and that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to him 
in his death, in order that I might attain the resurrection from the dead. Boy, you can delve into that. Verse 12, not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press on. I press on towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is a powerful scene that Paul paints for us in Philippians. And once you realize what it means, Paul is recalling a marathon race. And he has witnessed these races before, and he has seen the exhausted runners cross that line and how they punish themselves in order to finish. The glorious moment for which all would cheer was that when the runner would endure to the finish line, When the body said to quit a mile back and they didn't quit, they kept going, they would have nothing less. When they reached the finish line, they would just simply collapse in tears and fatigue into the arms of those who would be waiting to cheer them on to make that last few agonizing steps. And for Paul, in this passage, he says, the one waiting for him on the other side of the finish line is Jesus Christ. He's waiting there to catch him, to hold him in his arms. And he says, it's, I've got to keep going. I want to get there. The Lord is waiting me on the other side of that finish line. And he's holding a crown in his hand for Paul. In the ancient East, it would be a wreath of olive branches that they would give to the victor. And they would place it on the marathon racer's head. Paul describes Jesus at the finish line, holding that crown of righteousness. He stands at the end of the race that he ran ahead of us. He isn't relaxing spectator. He is fresh from the race, having finished first having already crossed the line and being handed the crown himself, he holds the prize that he won by his death and resurrection, having collapsed into the arms of Father God when he got there through the resurrection. And now he looks back and he says, finish too, and he waits for us. He waits for us and he wants us to finish the race as well. Our comrades in arms we are also running this incredible race. It says in Philippians chapter 2, 5 through 11, Philippians is a powerful book of the Bible. Early on it says, Jesus was highly exalted, uh, God highly exalted Jesus and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. He was the first to finish this race. He laid down the course and we are pursuing it. He stands there at the finish line as someone who has won the race with the crown he has won in his hands and he wants to place it on your head. If you are in a battle for any reason, other reason, than for that one moment, you won't make it. 
you're off track and you're in a danger of, minis- of missing the finish line altogether. Paul says, I forget everything. Don't worry about anything else. I just keep this one goal to cross that line, to get to where Jesus is and to collapse into his arms. Hebrews 12 goes on and tells us that uh, we can learn much more. And again, this is Paul, Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. If you want to look it up, I encourage you to do that. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance, every sin which is so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Fixing our eyes on who? Amen. The author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It literally says he's already run the race. He's already finished it. And now he's waiting for us to finish the race as well. When we cross that line, we keep that in mind that he will be there. When you cross that line and you finally finish that race and you collapse into the arms of Jesus, you want to know what happens next. It says in the scriptures that he's going to do an amazing thing. He's going to wipe away all our tears and pain at that moment when you collapse into his arms. I always see the person greeting the marathon racer on the other end of the line. They usually have a towel. Ever notice that? They're throwing it over the person's head. The person's just sobbing and exhausted, can barely get their breath. And uh, the person who greets them is there with the towel, wiping away the sweat, squirting water at them, on them, around them, whatever way they need it. And they're wiping away the tears and the pain. We find this uh, in Revelations chapter 21, this reality of what that finish line is going to be like. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven, from God, made ready as a bride for the husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among men, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them, and he will wipe away every one of their tears, and they will no longer be any death, there will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. So it's worth finishing to fall into those arms and let him take that pain and that suffering and the tears from you. We're still in the race. We haven't crossed the line. I've met too many Christians who think, Jesus promised me this, and they think it's on this side of the race. If you're doing a marathon, don't stop at Starbucks for coffee and take your time. You've got to run the race and persevere and don't quit. The rest will come, but you don't want to have left anything behind when you cross that line. Give it all, and Christ will be there for you. He will wipe away every two of you. 
we'll arrive broken, we're going to arrive wounded, we're going to arrive sometimes with shattered bodies, no longer able to stand on our own, and Christ will catch the weary marathon runner, and he will hold the towel to wipe away the tears, the sweat, and the pain of the race. This loving embrace will make the battle against evil in this world worth it. It'll be worth it. His arms and all that we're enduring now will become a memory of what our lives used to be before the first things have passed away. Right now it's a present reality, but someday it'll be just a memory. Then, as we cross that line, he's going to do something else. He's going to hold you, wipe away your tears, he's going to put his mouth near your ear, and he's going to whisper some words to you. These are what he'll say. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Jesus has promised that. He told that in the parable of Matthew 25, 21. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of the master. Romans 2, 5 through 11 expands on that, and it says in verse 6, God will render to each person according to his deeds. To those who perseverance in doing good work, good seek for glory and honor and mortality and eternal life. But glory and honor, it says in verse 10, and peace to everyone who does good. To the Jews first and also to the Greek. For there is no partiality with God. He will give you your reward. But i got to tell you, there is no greater reward I could think of than God to say, through Christ Jesus in my ear, well done. You endured. You persevered. Now, if that doesn't bring a tear to your eye and stir your heart, you're not in this battle for the kingdom of God. You're in it for the wrong reason, if that isn't your goal. You may never hear those words or whispered in your ear if the approval of Jesus Christ is not the focus of your life. Too many of us shoot low for a reward very temporary, but this is priceless. The scripture says there are crowns and describes them in a variety of ways. The first crown the scripture tells us about is a crown of righteousness. And it's given to the faithful, those who are faithful in their testimonies. I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith, Paul said. We read it earlier. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me at that day. That's the finish line. And not to me only, but to all of them who persevere until his coming. And then the scripture says there's a crown of glory, faithfulness intending those entrusted to you. Feed the flock. Now, that might be your kids, and I know that's hard, but feed them, all right? But not just food. You feed them the truth of God. And no one is going to do it for them. You need to take care of your own flocks, whoever they are. Uh, feed the flock who is among you, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but God being God's example to the flock, and when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory 
that fadeth not away. So this is yours to gain too. And then a crown of life, faithfulness even through temptation. It says in James chapter 1 through 12, blessed is the man that endureth. Did you notice that for each one is perseverance, is endurance, lasting the race, finishing it. Those who endure temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Now there are many scholars and preachers who have talked about three crowns that you get and that they are different crowns. But I believe the Bible tells us that Christ will declare us the winner of the race, even though he's already finished the race, the prize he was given after his death and resurrection, the crown that was placed on his head. And when we fall into his arms, he says, I want to share the prize with you. I don't think new crowns are being forged for each one of you. I think Christ wants to give you his righteousness. The crown that was put on his head, he wants to share with you. His glory is what he wants to share with you. Because you have persevered the same race he persevered. Wouldn't that be a great honor for Christ to take his crown and say it's yours too. We can take turns. You wear it on Mondays. I'll wear it on Tuesdays. Ever hear a thing called the Great Cup? Where is it? Who knows? It travels, right? From house to house. It goes through many things. You share the glory of it. Jesus wants to share it with you. The glory of Jesus Christ is something he wants to share with every one of you who will endure persevere, and finish the race. Now understand that moment, that crown of victory he was giving, he's going to give to you. That is so important. Is that worth finishing the race? You want to persevere still? I'm not done. There's something else magical that happens after you cross that line. He's wiped away every tear, and the pain and death is gone. The race is a memory. You've received this shared reward with Jesus Christ. And then what does, what does a church do to celebrate? They eat. <laughs> right? And I'm so glad this is biblical. So the banquet table. Revelations 19, 7 through 10. Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and the bride has made herself ready. It was given to her to clothe herself in linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. The righteous acts of the saints. And the main way you gain that is not by being perfect. It's about endurance. And faithfulness, not perfection, lasting and hanging in there to the very end till you cross that finish line. Christ is waiting for every member of the church to finish the line. He washes us clean. He removes all the old blemishes and gets us ready for a banquet. These are the true words of God. In Revelations 19, 7 through 10, I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, Do not do that, the angel said, for I am a fellow servant of yours, a brethren who holds testimony of Jesus. 
worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. He is waiting for us to take us to this banquet table. I don't know about you, but I'm hungry already. I could go for that. I want to be at that table. And what's a banquet for? Why do you get together at a banquet? After a race has been run, awards have been given, you throw a feast to refuel, to get strong again. And what do people do when you get together to eat? We celebrate, absolutely. We celebrate. But Christ will stand at the banquet and he will speak of what you have done. Revelations 20, 11 through 12. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it, from whose presence on earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from what? The things which were written in the book according to their deeds. There will be a retelling of your deeds. Oh, I've got a whole other sermon on that one. But in this time, there was an ancient man <clears throat> in these tribes. It was a, a function in the community. And we don't see them very often anymore. The name of that in the Scottish, in the Celtic language, is shop. And the shop was an epic poet teller. You've heard of Odyssey and things like that. And the shop was hired by the king. And he would go to the battles, to the races, and so on. And he would witness what would take place. And then after the battle, the race was done, a banquet was held, awards were given, and then the shop would stand and tell what just happened. He would tell the story of the race. He would weave it as a story about the strength and then chility, how they stumbled, but they got back up, and he would retell the deeds of that day. And he would compare it to when he ran, it, it was as glorious as David. It was as mighty as Samson. It was as courageous as Elijah, and they would compare it to the old, old stories, and they would mention your name and said, you were like that when you ran that race. You won't speak of it yourself, but a shop will stand and put your story in there and say, you didn't know at that moment what was really going on, but when the shop stands and retells your story, you'll understand your life better than you ever understood it before. That's the function of a shop. Jesus will do that at the banquet. He will speak of your deeds, and you'll say, that's what happened? All you're doing right now is running the race and enduring and being patient. You're trying to finish. That's all you're focused on. But there's more going on than you could ever dream. Your perseverance is impacting a much bigger picture that you can't even understand right now. But one day at that banquet, Jesus will rise at the shop and tell a glorious story, and he will say your name in it, of what he did through you because you persevered. Wouldn't that be glorious? 
Are you looking forward to that day? <laughs> the books will be open and he will speak of your deeds. It will be a glorious moment. And then, one more thing. We will come before the God of all creation. This is like the moment, an audience with the king. Revelations, chapter 7, 9 through 12. And after these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could count. In other words, everyone who had faith in Christ, believed in the word, ran the race, as it describes in Hebrews, when we're all there, you know that verse? When we all get to heaven. That's this crowd, all right? <laughs> no one could count them. Even Glenn couldn't count them all. There were so many. From every nation, from every tribe and people and tongue, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes. Remember, they got that earlier, right? Their deeds have been told. They've been given crowns and glory from Christ. And palm branches were in their hands. It's Easter all over again. And they cried out with a loud voice. Can you say this with me? Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That's just a sample of what it's going to sound like. I encourage you to commit this to memory so you know what to say on that day when you get there. All right? Verse 11, And the angels were standing around the throne, and the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne, and they worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor, power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Now here's the great part of it. The 24 elders fall down before him, before God, who sit on the throne, and they will worship him who lives forever and forever. And they will do what? They will cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. Because of you, your will, they existed, and they were created. In the ancient world, they believed there was only so much honor and glory. And in order to have it, someone had to give it to you who had already earned it. And when Paul describes it, Christ has already earned it by his death and resurrection because he finished. In order for you to gain it, he's got to give it to you. And he does when you cross the finish line. And now you have honor and glory. You've got something to take to worship. And the purpose of that is to give it back to God. That's what's on the other side of that finish line. That's why we're running the race. It isn't about the enemy. It isn't about fighting battles. This is the goal. This is what we want to attain. And there is only one way to do it, and that is to persevere, not falter, run the full race, and don't look back. Forget what is behind. Let go of anything that encumbers you and persevere all the way through. It's about being faithfulness to the upward call. It isn't about figuring out your own strategies. It's about hearing Jesus calling and answering and say, here am I, send me, whatever it is, 
Where? Millerville? Where's that? I don't know. I'll go. It's about answering the call and going. And not to make a, say, well, Lord, make an appointment when it's convenient. So I'll get around to it. You know, I might have time three months from now when tax season's over or something like that. No, when he calls, when should you respond to the call of Christ? Immediately. For today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not yesterday, this moment. And he's calling all of us. You are in the race. And I don't care how it's gone up to this point. The point right now is just to finish. Do you want to finish? Do you want to get there? It's going to be worth it. Just save me a spot at the table, all right? Because when I get there, I'm going to ask, where's Millerville? Where's my contingency? Because I know there will be cream puffs. I heard laughter. All right. <laughs> Would you stand with me? I want to close with a prayer. Lord, I am so grateful for this vision of the glory to come. And Lord, we can almost see it. It moves our hearts and sets our minds, makes us more determined than ever. I pray, oh God, that we would never lose sight of the finish line where you stand having finished the race, not waiting to enter into the banquet and the glory until you could share the joy of finishing with us. I thank you, Lord, that you are patient and you are watching. Now, I don't want to disappoint you at all. Neither do any of us. Lord, we will do the tasks. We will fight the battles. We will do the good work. We will follow you and be faithful and diligent in all things. And I pray, God, that we will leave nothing undone but press with our last ounce of strength to finish and to finish well. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Go in the peace of God. This live recording is made possible by the generous donation and support of our subscribers. If you have questions, suggestions, and feedback you would like to share with us, please use our email service at infomillavillechurch.org. If you would like to join the growing community of seekers and believers who support MCC podcasts, just go to our website, www.millervillechurch.org.